the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. And now, a continuation from last week's On the Road with Jesus. Here's your host, Rhody Fisher, with her special guest. I was using, excuse me, the Evangelic Cube and the Four Spiritual Laws, more traditional ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that they were the best ways to start out, but having the Evangelic Cube, I would do it. Do your viewers know what that is? It's a little why don't you ex- gospel pictures on it. Yeah, why so, don't you explain that to them? Uh, it, about 15 years ago, this was invented 15 to 20 years ago as an aid to the gospel. And it's a cube like a Rubik's cube, but you move it and different pictures would show. And when you're not good in a language, friends, I suggest that you do have a visual aid we also have a bracelet, maybe I'll wear it tomorrow, that you can use to share the gospel through the path of the prophets. And these things can help you either with either with your memory to remember what you're supposed to say next, or if you are in a different language. So what I mean, one time I actually did the Evangel Cube in Spanish and in French, probably broken in both, but with a group of Muslims around there. It was kind of cool. And there was a guy who was saying, hey, I've I've seen you in Morocco. And I said, oh, really? I don't think so. I had been to Morocco a few times. And he kept interrupting. I I know you've been there in Morocco. And he mentioned a city and he said, maybe you rode in my taxi. But what he ended up saying that I thought was so interesting, he said, you were there with that cube. Now, Friends, it's possible that he saw someone who looked like me there using the Evangel Cube. I never had used it in Morocco. But what I came to realize through this and what might be of assistance to your viewers is I started having what my son called, Mom, your spiritual gift is people recognize you. And I've been using that a lot since then. People don't recognize because I'm me because I'm famous, although I've done, you know, some stuff, but I really don't think it's that at all. I feel like what's happening is the Holy Spirit or an angel is tapping them on the shoulder and saying, listen to this woman, you know her. And I can't tell you how many times people say to me, oh, I think I've met you. And if I'm out on the street, if anybody ever says that to me, I always carry with me, carry with me a coffee card and a one of our bilingual tracks, You Are Loved. And in two languages, I will give them that in America every day. I give people things. And now I've expanded it to just if they're nice to me or friendly, I will give them that as part of everyday outreach. But that did start in Spain where I had several people that recognized me. 
And, you know, folks, I'm just saying it could happen to you too. It's interesting that you say that you went all the way to Spain because I remember when I got saved, I, I, I immediately started, I didn't even know it was evangelizing, but I immediately started to tell people about Jesus and what he did for me. And, but when I got home to Hawaii, it was so difficult for me to think, oh, you know, I'm going to hand out, do the four spiritual laws. I've got all these tracks. Um, I'm going to hand it out to people. And for some reason, it, it caught me off guard how difficult it was. But for me, even though I was living here in California and in Southern California, after I got saved, it felt easier. It, you know, I was afraid I would run into people from school. I don't know what they'd think of me um, or run into family members, which was even more horrifying. But being anywhere else but Hawaii seemed so natural for me. Now mm-hmm. I don't even think twice about it. We've been to the mosque there in um, in um, in Hawaii many times to hand out tracts and and as they come out on Fridays and and have even gone to some of the celebrations that they have Eid when they are celebrating that in the parks. Uh, Mark and I have gone out and handed out tracts there too, and we don't even think about who we're going to run into. But it took a little, um, let me just say, growing up before I could do that at home. But I love the fact that you went to a foreign country and felt it's so natural to to do that. And well, we did start in the local community, you know, handing out Bibles and things. So a lot of things happened little by little to make right. it easier. But uh, one of the things I did learn in my area is something that you were thinking about because I do these large scale outreaches to this other religion in the community I was living in, I was concerned, what if people recognize me? You know, if they, I'm well known because a lot of people know me from the hospital or from community organizations. What if people from this ethnic group say, oh, Dr. Cynthia? And I, I was kind of afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I will tell you folks, it ends up being good. I'm not really afraid of it anymore. And I'll give you one example. At one of these events, somebody did recognize me. And uh, he was an ethnic minority who was a boyfriend of one of my friends. And we were talking just a little. And I had said something to him about Jesus' parable with the rich man. Or something about why would you gain the whole world and lose your soul. And I had totally forgotten about it. About two years later, he and his girlfriend asked me to lunch. And he told me, that story you told me from Jesus changed my life. Wow. He said, I, after that, I got interested. I started reading the Bible. And now I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. Wow. So, you know, and I had even forgotten that I had talked to him there. There's just so much going on when you're distributing at a large-scale outreach, I think you know, Rody, from some of the yeah. festivals that you've been to and the parades yeah. and things. So no. I started realizing it's good if people just to kind of, so many things that we can turn around in life 
and I talk about this in apologetics and polemics too, if somebody gives you something bad or they're making an accusation, try to turn it around. So instead of being afraid that people recognize me, I think, well, it's a good thing if they smile and they associate a person that they like who's friendly or something with Jesus or the Bible, that's good. Now, if you have a really bad reputation, everybody hates your guts, unless you've converted uh, and, you know, you're totally changed. I could understand that. But I think mostly we're not talking to curmudgeons here, you know, hateful. If you have been hateful, if you're doing outreach with hatred in your heart, is that what the Lord would have you do? Brody, what do you think? No. no we're not, not to be not. judgmental or hating people. It's to be giving love and giving them something good that we know is for them. And we know the gospel is the best and we are doing it in love. So even if they reject it, our smile and our love is a bridge. And in our training, we talk a lot about building bridges, different kinds of bridges that we can build with people so they will be connected with us. And then another kind of bridge that we can used to connect that person to the gospel so they will hear it or believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, when, when you were saying that, I was thinking about um, uh, the first time Mark, my husband, went to a mosque with us. Um, he handed someone in, in those days, it we handed over almost like the whole Bible rather than just mm-hmm. the gospel of John or the gospel of, you know, just one of the gospels. Or or we handed over these Jesus films that were on DV. What were they on? Or anyway, you slip this whole thing into that machine. I forgot what they're called. Um, the VHS or the DVDs? Right. The VHS, the VHS, the big ones, and the big ones, and they were so bulky. Yeah. Anyway, I remember Mark giving away a Bible that was in Arabic. And I said, why did you hand it to that man? I said, you know, those out until, you know, there's an interest. Mm-hmm. And the man was running to his car. So Mark and I followed him thinking um, maybe he did the, we did the wrong thing by giving him that. And he turned and in broken English, he said, I've been waiting my whole life for this in, in, wow. in Arabic my whole life he said and he was going home to read it and so you know we prayed with him and he got in his car i'll never forget his face and and just this as he ran towards his car i thought mark had done something wrong because we had you know instructions on what to do and what to hand out first and whatever and um but it was in his language and he just was so thrilled. I waited my whole life for this. But um, we, you know, that's did some good, good story and good lesson. And that's another thing I've learned on outreach. So many times, all of us, especially new people, think, oh, I'll make a mistake. But yeah. sometimes we think we made a mistake. And yet, like you thought you made a mistake there, but God uses it. So that when we realize that, it takes away a lot of our fear to exactly. either talk to a stranger or to go on outreach, because if we make a mistake, God will use it anyway. Like with my friend 
Joanna, I'm not sure if you met her or not, Rody, but she would make mistakes or she would say something and do something that I would say, what have you said, Joanna? And then I would see it turned out fine, you know? So because God uses us all in different ways. I, I, I know. And, you know, the first time I went with um, George to a mosque and I honestly, when he asked me to go to this mosque, I thought, listen, George, I've got bigger fish to fry. I'm on my way to Pakistan. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. I thought about that in my head. I didn't say it. And then he said to I said, no, thank you. And he said, you're going to Pakistan, right? And I said, yes. And he said, how do you think you're going to go to Pakistan ministering to Muslims there when you're not under our American laws, but here you're under the American laws, you're saying no to this, but you're going to go to Pakistan and think you can minister to Muslims there. And I thought about that and I said, okay, I'll go with you this Friday. But, you know, we went there and the first person that spoke to me after it was actually the second person I gave a track to, I could tell by his voice, he said, I don't want that. And he walked away. And I said, are you from Pakistan? And he turned around. He was about 10 feet in front of me at that point. And he said, how do you know? And I said, I can tell by your accent because I had been ministering to Pakistanis on the phone for like six Mm -hmm. months. But anyhow, um, God will put us in the right spot. And, you know, I had great conversation with this man for over an hour but and we exchanged numbers and had become friends. But God uses everything, you know, all things work together for good to those that love him and are called by his purpose. He uses even some of those bad things that we mistakenly do and turns that around for good. So that's great. Give us another example of some of the early um, things that you were doing with ministry to Muslims and and how that worked out for you. Give us another example or two of people that you were able to communicate with, not necessarily accepting the Lord, but just communication. The first time I shared the gospel with Muslims was to Saudis in university back in the olden days. And I... I had been raised with sort of in, in the church and the family, you know, we knew a lot about Israel. We were supportive of that, but I was in university and I thought, Hey, I want to hear the other side. I want to see what's going on. I thought it was interesting, almost fascinating that we had Saudis there. We're talking way back in the seventies. And so I started being friends with these people and did get to share the gospel with them. To my knowledge, they did not become Christians then. But almost amazingly, I got the address of one of those people maybe 40 years later. And when I was on a mission trip in that area, went by the house and met someone at the door and left one of the green booklets for them. So I thought that was an interesting connection to follow up on that many years later. Isn't that great? I I also have a very interesting around the world connection because uh, one of the young women who came to the Lord largely through our ministry, several family members did. And she called back to her country and explained the gospel to them after she got saved. 
And her sister overseas said, yes, I always knew Islam was wrong. And she became a believer, but she had no Bible because it was a closed country. So mm -hmm. here's this young woman coming from the Middle East to America. And she called her sister in the Middle East. Meanwhile, I had gone to England and was partnering with a group that was using our Green Path of the Prophets booklet and also giving Bibles to Muslims. They were giving Bibles out in London. So here are people going from America to London. Well, unbeknownst, the cousin of this woman overseas had been in London and got a Bible. Wow. So this young woman, will call her N. So and remembered, hey, when my cousin was in England, she got a Bible. So she contacted her cousin and said, didn't you get a Bible in England? I'm wondering if I could borrow it. And the cousin said, uh, what would you want that for? And she simply said, well, I'm, I'm interested. So she got the Bible from the cousin. So I'm telling this to encourage our friends that wherever you might be along that circle, maybe you're talking to a Muslim in person in America like I did, or maybe you are giving out Bibles in London or in a city in America or at the mosque. But there are these ways that things can connect that it can get to the person who needs it. And maybe several people will end up hearing the gospel because of it. So that was something that I would like to tell people because a lot of times, Rodi, you know, when we're distributing, we don't always hear back. I did give two examples today. This one I just gave you and the one from the young man at the ethnic festival. But most of the time we're giving things out with just love and a smile. And I figure I'll find out when I get to heaven. Hopefully, Lord willing, many people will be blessed through this material. But we may not know until we get to heaven. Yes. And, you know, in that rare time that we do get to lead um, a Muslim to Christ, I've, I, after searching or speaking to them um, through either that original uh, time that we've been able to share and then they've accepted the Lord or, con or, or continual um, um, calling and, and keeping in touch with them, I have found that many other people had witnessed to them or they got a track or someone gave them a Bible and it was a constant years of somebody else coming Absolutely. before us. And Absolutely. so we just were fortunate enough for the Lord to let it use us to kind of seal the deal. But um, it it's, it's great to hear those stories about how you've been used. I, I want to, um, I want to end with uh, our interview with um, having you go over a brief rundown of some of the ministries or all of the ministries that you're um, doing right now. And then we'll pick it up tomorrow to go into depth as to each one of these ministries and what they're really focusing on. Um, because we've got about 15 minutes, but I'm going to give you about three minutes, five minutes to go over all of the ministries and 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 a little bit of background as to what each ministry does. Oh, thanks, Rudy. 
just to follow up on your comment about God working, it's usually not one thing. I totally agree with that. And I like to hear the stories of people who come to the Lord, especially out of these other faiths like Islam and Sikhism or whatever, because you hear that God was working all along. And one of the Muslim women who I think you know of or have met that came to Christ, uh, things that her dad said to her or all these things that happened or when she felt there might have been an angel or the presence of God before she came to America. So I would never say, oh, you know, if you're really clever or if you use our track, that's going to be it. No, it's it's many things. And to a large degree, I see what we're doing as groundbreaking. I usually say, I feel like I'm working in the frozen tundra. For those of you who have been to the Rocky Mountain National Park and you've seen the tundra up there and it's only not frozen a little bit of the year, I feel like we're getting an ice pick. We have to break up the the hard frozen ground even to get the seeds in. So I do see us mostly as the seed planters of preparing the ground and planting the seed. If we're lucky, we get to plant the seed. Right. But the you know there is the Bible verse that says whether we plant or water, it's God who brings the increase. So yeah, I would love to be the one you know that sees all the people coming to Christ. But I feel like what we're doing in some of these strongholds like Islam and Sikhism and Hinduism, we're getting the word out there. And it might even take 20 years or more till it bears fruit in those places. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what are the kinds of things we're doing, and we can talk more about that tomorrow. We do small scale outreaches like, you know, I did this weekend roadie having people from different faiths to my house, mixing them with Christians or just going to your ethnic market and passing out a few tracks or just making friends there that you can follow up with later. Those are small scale outreaches. There are large scale outreaches we've talked about, like the festivals Mm -hmm. and the mosques, and we still do that. And then what happens when people become Christians? Well, We have to disciple them. So we work in trying to disciple people and teach them the Bible from the way they understand. Mm -hmm. Part of that has been a few television series that we've done and now our website, which is the main thing I would like to promote to your your viewers. It's called Mm ChristianFromMuslim.com. And it's for Christians that want to know how to speak to Muslims And Muslims that are interested in the Christian faith, but they don't get church because everything that we teach in there, even if it looks like a a regular subject like Christmas, we teach it to the way Muslims are thinking. And so for Christians that work with Muslims or want to talk to them, it's important for them to know that. And we have lessons on there. I would say just go to our web page or our YouTube channel, Christian from Muslim, and watch the two minute intro video and it will tell you all the great things you can do through that. So we would call that ultra wide scale television, media, live streams like this, where we have the potential for making, connecting with thousands of people that is ultra large scale. And we do some apologetics and polemics, mainly teaching people that are not apologists, how to say something easy that will get their Muslim or Hindu friends to think. And I suppose something I should mention is that we do also teaching and training and Lord willing, should God and COVID and 
other powers allow, I will be speaking at a conference in Southern California next month. And I invite you all to come. That would be fantastic. Um, I'm going to run an ad at the end of the show um, promoting that particular conference. And I know that you're doing um, some workshops there. So people can go to that website and sign up for that conference. And it is a paid conference. And and the the, the payment is very, very small for actually what you're getting. So I would really encourage all of you that are listening that would like to learn how to witness to Muslims, um, maybe what they believe in, some apologetics and different things, um, to please sign up and and go to that and, and meet um, Dr. Cynthia in person. I won't be getting paid for it, but putting these things on does cost money, you know. So yes, it there does. There is a fee. But I'm volunteering, and I'd love to meet you, take your questions. So um, I'll be focusing on some practical topics, how to learn some of the things you hear on the main stage. Right. I'm going to end with this. Um, well, not end with this, but I'm going to – I'd like to spend a few minutes um, with you um, and our listeners. Um, for those of you, um, you, you'd have to not have a TV at all or a radio to know what's going on in Afghanistan. And I really feel like it's so necessary for us to come together and pray for those that are there. Um, I understand and I, I, I know that some of the news is, is saying that there's probably seven to 10,000 people that are Americans that are still there that are stuck. Um, but the numbers that I'm getting are way higher than that. And it's a real reliable source. It's, it's upwards of 30 to 37,000 Americans. And then you have to ask yourself, what are these Americans doing there? Well, not all of them are missionaries. You know, some of them are just travelers. Some of them are visiting family or friends or just visiting. Many of them that are stuck there are, are people that are, working there. Um, as, as some of you might know, they're there um, to build church, I mean, build schools. And um, as a matter of fact, if you take a look at the schools that were built there in the recent years, they're, they've been built by American people. And so hired by, you know, people, you know, construction workers here, taking them there, rebuilding that country. Whatever reason they're there, it doesn't matter. They're there. Some of them are Christians. Some of them are not. Some of them are non-believers. We want to get them out, and they want to get out. And a lot of others that are over and above the thirty-five or 37,000 people are not Americans. They just want to get out, and the country is falling apart. Their children, young girls, are being raped um, and or being forced to marry. I'm not going to explain it anymore. I just need to pray. So I'm going to um, start. And then if you could end in prayer uh, for the Afghanis and what's happening in Afghanistan. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come to you and ask, Lord, for help. For these people that are stranded in Afghanistan, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would first protect them. Send angels round about, whether they know you or whether they don't. Whether they're, whether they're Afghanis or Americans or French or whatever country they're from, Lord, 
I pray in Jesus' name for those that want to come out of Afghanistan, that you would protect them. We're hearing stories of these great escapes and how they've these Afghanis have thrown their babies up in the air in hopes that someone on the plane would catch them for a better life for their child. Yes. Lord, whatever it is, we ask that you would be amongst these people that are trying to get out and give them a way out, Lord. Open that door wide for them to get out. I understand that it's going to be by the end of this month, and that's it. It's no extensions. But, Lord, you can extend. You can move mountains. You don't need an airplane to get them out. You can get them out through a tunnel or something else, Lord. We pray for their safety. We also, Lord, want to pray for those that are going to be there. Yes, protection of themselves and their children. And a lot of elderly had to stay behind and their families have left. Protect these elderly people, Lord. Lord, I I know that um, when things like this happen, you're in the midst. You haven't left them alone. So, Father, I pray that you give peace to the hearts of those that are searching for you, that are calling out to someone, maybe not even you, Lord, just throwing it out there to help. Lord, answer their prayer. Lord, answer their cry for help. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. It's unreal to us what's going on in Afghanistan, Lord. And you know one of our team members is on the edge of a nervous breakdown because of the stress of all the people she knows that are suffering and trying to help as many as she can and it never being enough, Lord. I pray for the workers, all the Christian workers that are trying to assist with this and the government workers, all of them, Lord, give them strength and give them supernatural wisdom so that they can find the best ways to assist as many people as possible. Lord, I believe that it will not be in vain that we've spent 20 years there. I believe there are millions of sparks of light, of things that happened that brought your light to that country that will change it, just like China's underground church being a result of the years of missionaries that suffered and even died there bringing your word. So we pray that the underground church will flourish. We pray that you will bring out of Afghanistan as many Christians and unchristians, Lord, or non-Christians, as will benefit from it, Jesus, if they come to America, and that will save them, especially with the Taliban um, and Muslims. But we pray, Lord, that you will not let this. I do see so many people softening to Islam in a crazy way. I pray that that will not happen, or the ones who come to America will not change us because we want to bring those who come to America to you not the reverse. And we pray for those that are not going to make it out, Lord. We all will die sometimes. And we know that that is the way of the fallen earth. Please give the Christians courage to go at the time that is best for them in a beautiful way, full of courage, and give them supernatural strength to shine for you as martyrs in a way that changes the horrible regime that is killing them, Lord. So, we pray that we pray against every form of repression and every form of darkness. And we pray that all this darkness will finally be exposed. We've been trying to share with people 
the darkness of Islam. And we pray that this will finally let them see it. Lord, not that we should hate or mistreat Muslims, but we want to bring them your glorious light and help people to see the contrast. And we pray that any good that can be done through this horror will be done through your power and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Yes, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, With the last few minutes, I do want to talk to our listeners that have heard um, Dr. Cynthia's testimony And some of you know my testimony. We were raised in a Christian church, I mean, a Christian home. However, for some of you, you may not have been. And some of you out there may be Muslims. And you think today is the day. I want to grab onto the hand of Jesus and follow him um, for the rest of my life. And if that's you, and you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, that you realize Jesus, the one that died on the cross, died for you and rose again on the third day and you're going to follow him. I would like to say this little prayer. There's nothing magic about it. It's just that you have to mean it in your heart. And so follow me in this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I want to accept you as my savior today. Cleanse my heart. Forgive me of my sins of the past, present, and future. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me in my walk with you. Help me to find a great church and and read the Bible every day, I say yes to you, Lord, as my Savior and my Lord, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have said that simple prayer, or one like it, doesn't have to be my words. It could be whatever words you put together, and will follow Jesus today. Call us on the road with Jesus at 951-817-0094, or write to me on On the Road with Jesus. I said this before, I don't run to any ads on my show, but I am going to end with an ad for the conference that you can sign up for. Dr. Cynthia is going to be there as well. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great day. We love you. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus you'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H Fisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com with Jesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094 That's 951-817-0094 On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.